This week on the Product Agility Podcast, we find ourselves in Lisbon, Portugal at the Productize 2023 conference, where attendees will get to hear talks from Melissa Perry, Tammy Reese, Leah Theron and Radhika Dutt, to name but four of the amazing speakers. We are here to do our talks in 10, and they're the best way for you to get the inside track and behind-the-scenes insights on the talks and workshops from the conferences that we partner with, so you don't miss a beat. If you're at the conference, come and find us. We're hard to miss with our podcast t-shirts. If you're not, then just enjoy these talks in 10. And who knows, maybe we'll see you at Productize 24. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with Aha Slides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, Aha Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how Aha Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting Aha Slides and use the code AHAXPOD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. Productize 23, we're, we're coming to an end of our conversations. And we are joined by somebody who I thought I was talking to yesterday, but then didn't. And then I confused you by saying that I was going to be talking to you and you said, no, hold on, I've rescheduled. For our listeners, would you mind introducing yourself and telling everybody what your, the title of your workshop from yesterday? Great. Thanks for having me. And sorry, I rescheduled at very short notice. I was finishing my workshop because I wanted to in, uh, integrate a few more things. So yeah, my name is Magali Pellissier. I go by she and her as pronouns. I am based in London, uh, but with a little French accent, I'm sure you can get. So I am the head of product at Sam Knows. We work on internet performance and we have just been acquired by Cisco. So I joined Cisco last week which is very exciting. And my workshop in Lisbon yesterday was about deprecating slash killing slash unshipping slash retiring all these words, products or features. Unshipping. Yeah. I have not heard that one before. There's so many terms. Like we actually had a whole like team exercise around what are all the words that people use. And as you joked before, we wouldn't have to unship if we didn't ship things that weren't worth it in the first place. But the reality is we have to do it. And all the PMs in the room, they all had experience either doing it or having to do it and probably not making the decision because they don't know how to do it. If you go to a, a course about product management, nobody talks about that. No. It's, I, when I teach anything around uh, products, or uh, product manager, I often equate the role of a product leader as, as a gambling type role. You're making lots of bets based upon value hypotheses and you get something out in the market and then you want to understand whether or not your value hypotheses uh, is correct or not. Is it paying off in the way that you thought? Is it paying off in a different way? Is it not paying off at all? And if that bet isn't paying off, then for me, the sensible thing seems to say, seems to be, let's then remove that. And there was this old statistic by the British Computer Society, which said like 80% of features of products are never used. And I'm not sure how true that is today, but even if it's, even if it's half, that's still too many. And so this is what I loved about the, the topic of your workshop, is it's explaining, I think the why of deprecation is, seems to, for me to be easier to answer than the how. 
Because once something's out and it's real and it's there could be a multitude of reasons why you'd like to remove that. But then how you do it, again, I find that very interesting. So could you give me and our listeners an insight into what it is that you covered, like the, the journey that you took people on during your workshop? Yeah, sure. So it was in two parts. The and the second part was about the how. And the way I ran it is like the first part was like a team game. So like a little competition. We had a lot of fun. And then the second part was more like individual work and venturing with your team. And at the end of the workshop, you had very tangible things that you could bring to your company. So one, you had a framework for what deprecation means and how to apply it in the context of your company. And then you had a plan for a particular feature that you would deprecate in your product. So people could leave and they go and talk to their leader on Monday and they're like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So that was great. And in the, in the why, before starting on that, like straight away, because why is a product manager's favorite question. But first, it was about normalizing the thing, like just saying that deprecation, like decline of products is part of a normal product life cycle. And the fact that nobody talks about it is just because everybody is focused on like the introduction and then the growth and maturity of a product. And obviously trying to not have your product decline, <laughs> but it happens. This is just normal. So we shouldn't ignore it. I was going to ask the question, what's the biggest feature you've ever deprecated? But like, that's a, is that a bit of a crap question maybe? Because how do you, how do you, what was... In your experience of deprecation of features, what have been some of the common challenges that you've then faced in being able to take it out? Yeah, it can be an embarrassing question because actually there's a huge human aspect behind deprecation. Like as a product manager, am I ready to admit that what I shipped wasn't right and I made a mistake? And the developers probably aren't happy because they spend a lot of time coding this feature, right? So you're right, it, it can be embarrassing. The example I've got from, it's actually my very first job as a PM. I arrived and it was an on-premise solution, like an add-on to a Microsoft Excel, which first of all, Excel, actually in the workshop yesterday, was one of the most hated products. I'm like, we've an add-on in Excel that nobody likes. And there were like four different versions, like older legacy versions. And to the extent that some con uh, of my customers, they were like, oh, you know, the product, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. And I'm like, it does, but you are on a version from four years ago. So obviously it doesn't have this. So this is the kind of a scenario. And I can't remember what was your question. Again. <laughs> uh, the, uh, common challenges, hurdles of, of, oh, of, of, yeah. of, de of that deprecation. I work in B2B. And when I prepared for the workshop, I, was, I wanted to include as many um, examples as possible. So I did some research with B2C and I learned that, for example, Netflix, they just turned off in, in January a feature that was a bit like, I'm feeling lucky. Yes. You'd press that button and we'd come up with a movie or something. And yeah. I turned it off because I thought it doesn't work. They just turned it off. That's it. In yeah. B2C, they could do that. In B2B, I can't do that. My customers are like big banks. And even now I've joined Cisco, but Cisco was my customer at the time. You can't do that. These teams, uh, they have like IT processes, like you, you can't just turn off the software. So I think that's the biggest challenge is to get people internally. First, you all like close teams. So I'm talking about like engineers and designers and even the people around that, like product marketing. But the engineers in general are quite happy to deprecate old products because they won't have to maintain the code base. Um, 
But then you have to convince the commercial teams because the commercial teams want the customers to be satisfied and they know it's going to be a very long journey to deprecate. And it took us 12 months. And initially it was planned for six months. And actually that was like one of my closing statements is in the workshop is however work you do, you try and plan, it will probably not go smoothly. <laughs> there will always be like challenges you didn't anticipate, customers who aren't happy. You're going to have to change your plans, introduce features that, when, that your customers are going to miss, things like this. Um, so then once you've convinced your teams internally and you get them on board, then talking to the customers and really helping them. And I think it's about shifting the narrative because as human beings, we focus a lot on the loss. Like, I'm, I'm going to lose this product, I'm going to lose this feature. But actually, we need to shift the perspective to what are the gains? And actually, customers may actually be more satisfied. There may be fewer user, uh, customer su support cases. The time to resolve the support cases will decrease. And your customers actually will benefit from like higher security, like bug fixes, better compliance, new functionalities. There's lots of reasons why people should be optimistic about it. But obviously, but like every change, it's always difficult. So the human element is very important. It's a uh, grieving process. I think, I think they might fall on my own sword a bit here, but I had a gentleman on the podcast called Cliff Hazel. He used to work at Spotify. And I think we were talking about turning things off and, and shutting things down. And so it's that grieving process that I think as a product person you go through when it's something you've, you've nurtured and, and a bit of views in there and then you've got to, got to kill it and that's sad and then you grieve for this but you, there's an element of then maybe feeling like you're grieving for this and that's it is sad but it's so useful it's so useful for so many reasons and what I loved what we were saying there about the the support tickets like do you remove a feature which is causing lots of aggravation with the client even though they use it so that then that frees up your support teams to to, to do better to, i don't know support say customer success to then focus on other things which are more valuable does it free up your engineering teams to then not worry about maintaining this buggy kind of flaky thing which doesn't really fit in anyway and, and there's a huge gain from doing that even though you might have to have some difficult conversations with your clients it's worth the, the payoff surely is at times much higher than the, the pain of having to remove it. And I suppose that's your thing, isn't it? Is actually we should be doing what you're suggesting and not just leaving it in there. Yeah. One of the talks actually I just attended before recording this podcast was about like, if you make hard decisions first, then your life is probably going to be easy. But if you don't make those decisions, then your life is just going to keep getting like harder. Was, was that Andre? <laughs> Andre, Alba, Andre Albuquerque. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, we had him on yesterday yeah. and, he said, and he was saying the same thing, that actually <laughs> the, the decision to pivot set them up. Anyway, it's been so nice actually having this conversation in 10 minutes has just, just flown by. It's been so nice to have you on. If people do want to find out more about you, what is the best way for them to do that? So people can reach out on LinkedIn, obviously. And then I also have a podcast, which is right. called uh, Product Perspectives. And it's about how we work uh, with our stakeholders. So everybody from product marketing, customer support, customer success, sales, and all of these people that we need to be successful as product managers. Awesome. Please, everyone, check out that podcast.